Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Layla, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're so glad you could join us this morning, but before we get into all the goodness and action, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, and we thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers all of our sins, Lord, that washes us white as snow. God, we thank you for your abundant mercy, your faithfulness, and your forgiveness, Lord, and we thank you for passing that on to us, Lord, and allowing us to be a part of your plan, Lord, to be ambassadors, Lord, and vessels for your honor, God. We thank you for all things that you have done for us, Lord, all the good things that you've done for us, Lord, for bringing us out of the hand of the enemy, Lord, and calling us your son or daughter, Lord. So we just thank you for those things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. We are glad to have you with us as we continue to discuss the Word, and in particular, our study in the book of Acts. And uh, we'd also like to thank you for joining us, and a special thank you for all those that continuously participate in the work of this ministry and partner with us in building the Lord's house and helping to spread the gospel throughout the four corners of the earth. And of course, we, we also mean in all the ways by prayer, by of course, you know, sowing into this ministry, but also in liking the episodes, subscribing on this and any number of the platforms you find a day of prayer on and sharing the episodes with others. So they too can, can grow in their relationship with our Lord and savior not just in knowledge of, but in relationship with, so that they can stand, especially at the end times. So we thank you for that, and um, we just ask that you know, the Lord bless you, as, and you have absolutely been a blessing to us. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning, we are going to reread from Acts chapter 7, the first eight verses, because I, I sense there's, there's more that the Holy Spirit wants to discuss so, can I get a volunteer to cover that section of scripture, please? I will. All right, LaCharles. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives, and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him in, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to, to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress, oppress them for 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will du- judge, said, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. Mm-hmm. So this is our custom. 
The floor is open at this time for each of you to have the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit has been speaking and ministering to you. And of course, ask any questions that you have. So, that being said, who'd like to begin? But Charles, did you have anything left over from the previous episode that you wanted to continue to discuss? Actually, I do. Okay. Another thing that I also found interesting was the similarities between um, when you see Abraham, how he was promised something and he saw a manifestation in later generations. You can also see the same in Jesus and how David was promised that a person would sit on his throne. And the Lord is just showing the similarities here and how he was. It wasn't to, I'd say, deprive the one he first promised, but it was also a continuous promise. It wasn't just a one-time, okay, I promised you this, and now that's it, and it's over. But it was a promise that continued to be reiterated and continued to go forward. Yes, the promise was not visibly seen by Abraham or by David in these examples, but they could, yet they still were blessed by it, I'd say. Right, they didn't see the fullness of it, but they, they got to see a glimpse, if you will. Yes. If you will. Um, David got to see literally Solomon sit on his throne, but the, the Messiah coming was for a particular time that God had purposed and set apart, set a, uh, had appointed because this was his divine time for these, these things to happen. But yes. they got to see a portion of it. Sometimes we forget that our God is a generational God, that he's mm-hmm. eternal, so he's not... Um, so much is fixed on one singular thing like our humanity just wants give us something now god just just give us anything who cares if it's the right thing or if it's perfect or it's complete or accurate just do something so my flesh feels gratified and my impatience never has to move to a place of being patience or endurance or perseverance we just want what we want right now and we we do not mature into the place that we see the whole scheme or not scheme, but the whole plan that God is working out, the grand scheme of things is actually the, the uh, euphemism that I wanted to say there. Um, We fail to see that God is a good God and he's sovereign and he is working out his eternal plan as he has incorporated us into it to be a part of it, but we are not the sole focus of it. So as he makes a promise to a vessel to us, that promise is the vessel for his mercy and his grace to be shed and poured out in the whole earth. So it affects more than just you. It affects more than just me. It, it affected more than just Abraham. It affected more than just David. It affected more than just Noah, right? Yes. It affected throughout generations what the purpose of God is to be dispersed to these other generations that wouldn't necessarily be touched by it if God wasn't carrying it. If he just left it to be a singular event, it would stop there and die. But he's eternal and we're going back to an eternal place with him. So it's vital and and essential that we perceive that we are not just natural people. This is not the beginning and the end of our life here on this earth. There's something more for us. And what God, when he speaks, He wants as many as possible to be blessed by it, to be included by it, and have an opportunity to share and partake of it. Yes. Go ahead, baby. Mm, That was about it for this section.
Amen. So that, that should tell us to be long-suffering towards God because he's long-suffering towards us. Put our minds on the things above, like understanding God's mentality, understanding his divinity and his character, his nature and his quality so we can see ourselves and how we fit into his plan and we are at peace with God and we can walk with him and cooperate with him versus trying to twist his arm and tear things out of his hands because you can never do that. You'll never be able to accomplish that and you will live and die dissatisfied and bitter and unhappy because you don't perceive who your God is. He's a good God. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if it seems like it's delayed, come back and ask God. Let, let's talk about seasons and timing. Imagine if Jesus had died on the cross as soon as Abraham, I mean, as soon as Adam and Eve transgressed him. Then what, what would have happened to the other people that needed to come through time? Would that have satisfied God's divine plan? Because there was, it says at the appointed time, he came yes. forth. Think about Elizabeth, uh, Mary's cousin or Mary's relative. If she was an old lady older she wasn't that old but she was older and her her child birthing if she had had john the baptist when she was in her 20s or when she had first called out for it she would have been out out of season for bringing forth the forerunner to the to the messiah because his birth was at an appointed time and i believe all things are working off that that point right there god knew when the messiah would come and so he's now orchestrated and ordained things within that timeline um <laughs> What about if um, Isaac had come when um, Abraham and, and Sarah were still back in Mesopotamia? They left when Abraham was 75. He would have been out of season and not brought forth into the earth at the right and the appointed time. They would have been in the wrong land. And so now he would have had to journey and follow God in this way versus taking the second leg of the journey or or all the things that God wanted to bring through them, they would have been out of season. So if it seems like something's being delayed, instead of accusing God and slandering his name and, and thinking and saying he's withholding from you and he's holding back and he's not doing what he promised you, perceive, go, Holy Spirit, I know you. If you didn't withhold Jesus, you're not withholding anything else. If you didn't withhold your very best, your only begotten, then you're withholding nothing else because everything else after the Lord is insignificant. It's, it's minute. Mm -hmm. So it must be season. If you've done what God asked you to do, you haven't been disobedient, you haven't delayed with God, then inquire, ask him, is it season, God? Is it timing? Because also, uh, back to Mary and Elizabeth, Elizabeth had someone to walk with. She got to be able to partake of that blessing of seeing the Messiah in her relative's uh, womb. And knowing that's who he was and then to see him be brought forth and then to see his life and watch him grow up. That's an honor that God thought about. But if she was if God had indulged her and, and as she had grown patient, impatient, right, and said, just give it to me now, give my baby now, Lord, I don't care about nothing else. Then she would have missed that opportunity to watch her Messiah come into the earth and grow up. I mean, all of the, the treasures that God placed inside of his timing, his divine timing for things, not only did it fulfill his plan, but it granted special blessing to the ones who walked with him okay. and cooperated with them in it. Okay. Amen. Layla, you had something? Yes. And um, as we've been talking on these few devotionals, we have 
the word opportunity has come up quite often and how God never leaves us without a chance to choose him and to um, walk with him with in our in faith and with our whole heart. And when we read the first eight verses in Stephen's address and we see that when God told Abraham that his descendants would go into a land and be held captive for 400 years and then afterwards God would judge that nation, we see again the history and the pattern and God's character. He always gives us a chance. So the Egyptians had 400 years to make the choice to follow him. And they, and at any point in time, they could have turned, but they you know plowed on and whatever that was that they were doing and liken that to Stefan now he's giving the council and his accusers a chance to turn this is like um watching time tick off a watch right now this is their opportunity to as mommy said get off the highway and stop before they committed this act of murder they already did it once they didn't need to do it again and uh, but instead of humbling themselves they they plowed on and they continued on. And it, it's a reminder to me that when God comes to me, instead of pushing him away and going on with what I think is best, I should take a step back and go, Lord, what do you, what do you have to say about this? And actually listen to what he has to say. Um, Dad would sometimes tell us he'd go, if you don't have any intention of listening and applying what we have to say, why ask anyway? Why not just cut out the middleman? And sometimes I have those conversations with the Lord as well. He's like, well, if you're not going to listen to me, why are you asking me anyway? Because you wanted him to condone what your flesh wanted. Mm. Yes. Okay. Indulge me and gratify me. And because he was, because God is wise, he didn't do that because that would have led to some very serious harm. And he's doing that now with these people in the councils. If he just let them go, all right, whatever you want to do, do it. There would be nobody going to heaven. Nobody would be saved because everybody would be giving in to their cravings and indulgences. And we know what the adversary puts, tries to draw on those four to destroy them. Like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They, it wasn't bad that they asked God for meat, but because it was such a driving force and what it was causing them to do and accuse him of, that's, that's why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. What are you going to say, honey? Uh, go ahead. You got it, honey. Or did you have something to say or promise? I do. Then go ahead, sir. Okay, so the Lord's talking to me about this, the general section, verses 1 through 7, where Stephen was giving his answer. And so the Lord was showing that he didn't answer angrily and go, no, this is... This isn't what's happening. It didn't start going inside the opposite direction that than the Lord wanted him to go. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, Lord, I believe you or Mommy touched on this, but where the fruits of the Spirit were, one of them was long-suffering. Mm-hmm. And how since he had the fruits of the Spirit, they had to exhibit that behavior. Well, and Holy Spirit will never deny himself. He mm-hmm. does not have outbursts of wrath. He is not without control. He is always submitted to the divine order of the Godhead. 
and he's always who he is. So the Holy Spirit's always going to pour out long long suffering. This is and love and the, yes. yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. This this is his his character and his nature. Mm-hmm. When we see it manifested in our life, it's because we have the Holy Spirit living in us as a result of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and salvation first salvation and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then his fruit is allowed to be made manifest or evident. And as his character coming through our vessel is made evident, but this is his character all the time. It then remind me of, wait, first let me, let me go back a little bit. Sure. And how that he didn't, get angry it didn't say the wrong response Mm -hmm. and so the lord reminded me of when i was cooking fries one day Mm. i had put the oil too high so when the fries went in the outside was extremely done and the inside was still raw Mm -hmm. and so the lord should show me that it's the same here if stefan had gone the opposite way it what the Lord wanted him to do would be imperfect. It won't be done completely. Mm-hmm. Amen. He sowed to his spirit and he chose to remain in fellowship and communion and connected to the Holy Spirit during this time of, um, you could say, hard testing. This our, our natural bodies don't want to die. And the without the Holy Spirit, the fear that would come upon the physical body in, in light of this kind of threat would cause it to run away or to try to fight to defend itself. And in order to override that, you can only do that with the Holy Spirit's help. I mean, you can do mm-hmm. some training on certain aspects of it, but eventually the body will override you. It may just take a little bit longer than it would have without you know, physical endurance training or things of that nature. But eventually it will do so because that's what it's been designed to do. There's no fault in that. But when we step into who we are in the spirit, who we are in Christ, who we are when the Holy Spirit has his way in our life, we become able to do different uh, supernatural things, if you will. And it's not us physically because it's coming from us. It's coming through us from the Holy Spirit. He's the source of it. But he's the only one that can allow us to come to that place. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane have that same uh, um, authority over his flesh to submit it to the things of God. And he was able to do that by the Holy Spirit and his choice to continue to walk and cooperate with the will and the plan of God. Layla, you mentioned something. Um, As Stephan let God use him, the Holy Spirit through him was able to give opportunity to these people, another opportunity, another opportunity to choose differently, another opportunity to choose Christ, because that's what the question is. Will you choose him or will you not? Mm-hmm. Now, when we look at humanity, I want to tell you this as well. The decision to give them a chance didn't belong to Stefan. The decision to cooperate with Holy Spirit, to be a vessel for Holy Spirit was Stefan's choice. To give the people another chance, he might have been aware of the information, but it wasn't his choice. I'm choosing to give you another chance or I'm choosing not to give you another chance. That's not his call to make. That belongs to God. Um, So when we think about that, as God is using us, when we let God minister through us, it's his choice to be merciful to whom he'll be merciful. It's his choice to be gracious to whom he'll be gracious and to give chances to whom he'll give chances. We are just to go, yes, God. My choice is to submit to your will, my God, 
that's my secret food to do your mm. will. That's what Jesus said. I have food that you don't know of, and that's to do the will of my father. Um, so our choice is to not look at the people. I mean, Stefan could have been like, this is the, how many times we've been here with you folks and you've pulled this same gambit. You're beating on everybody. I don't think you deserve it. It could have, so you could have pulled the Jonah. Huh? You mean exhibiting self-righteousness and righteous indignation? Uh-huh. And now not righteous indignation is unrighteous. Indignation. Self-righteous indignation. <laughs> yeah. Self-righteous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could have pulled a, pulled a Jonah. They don't deserve your repentance, Lord. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to go get a seat on the, the, the optimal place. Perch me up on the mountain, Lord, so I can watch you destroy them and see them die. Oh, and while you're at it, grow me a shade plant, Lord, so I can enjoy it as I'm doing so, something. So wrong. I can be comfortable. Yes, in my ungodliness, make me comfortable, God, because I want you to destroy them. He could have chosen to take that perspective, but then God would not have been able to use him to the fullness of what was happening and the place of honor that God bestowed upon Stephen for finishing this this walk with him is something that is eternal. That mm-hmm. is an eternal place of, of honor that God gave him and we're still reading about this thousands of years later, not to mention what he's seeing in eternity. That, that's, that's something special. There's a place for the martyrs. And, Absolutely. Um, it's, it's listed out in Revelation. So just understanding the difference between God's part and our part. God's stance and our stance. And I, I know you had some things to share, honey, so I'm sorry. Me. Sorry. We'll, we'll probably, we're going to go a little over because okay. I'll, I'll sense this, this needs to be out. Right. Um, and by what I mean, disgust. In this history lesson, right, there are some, some things that, while not addressed directly, they are alluded to, right? And he begins with Abraham. And, and I love how you talked about the, we have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the choice is to come into alignment, Right. He, he talks about how Abraham first started at a, at a different place and then eventually made it to Haran, right? We know that's Ur of the Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is the same as Mesopotamia. It's in the area. Yes, yep. When it's a regional call versus a city call kind of deal. Absolutely. So that's where they started. And, and I say that is important because let's look at the, in discussing the history, he's talking to people that, have known the history, have grown up knowing the history, and are thrilled to be God's chosen people. But there's an understanding of the history that needs to occur. And it needs to occur for everyone. I'm not not Jew or Greek or Jew or Gentile. It's for every not one over the other, but it's for everyone to understand, right? Because all are not Israel that are of Israel, right? The Lord makes that very clear in his word. So I think we need to understand a couple of things. In Genesis 11, beginning in verse 27, it discusses Abraham's lineage. And actually, it says it by its, the genealogy of Terah, right? So Abraham actually went out because of Terah. And he followed with him. Now, this is, I'm not taking away from Abraham, Abraham, and at the time Abram, had his own relationship with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But you see, 
And he only went to a certain point. <clears throat> right? So God called Terah called first. Called Terah first, exactly. And ministered to Abraham's heart at the same, the same time because he agreed to go. Exactly. And just because God is speaking to one doesn't mean he's not speaking to anybody else. Absolutely. It's actually now, the contrary. Our choice must be to go all the way with God, mm-hmm. right? Wherever he says to go. And we see that here in Acts reflected through Stephan. But I want want us, I think we need to understand some things about Abraham. All right, because then in in uh, Genesis 12, we see the, the promises made to Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. That he'll take him to this land that he'll show him and he'll make him a great nation and he'll bless him and make his name great. And this is, uh, well, really it's the first nine verses, but just in the first three, right? He calls him up from his country and he says all these things he's going to do to him and he'll bless those that bless him and he'll curse those that curse him. And in him, in Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this key moment here in verse 7. It says, And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And then what's Abram's response? There he built an altar to the Lord that had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountain, right? And he pitched his tent with Bethel west of Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So uh, I want to bring this up because this this is key, and we're going to go into more detail here. But God asked Abraham to do some seemingly difficult things. To leave a land that he'd known, to go to another land, and then uh, Terah had tried to settle there in Haran. But the Lord said, no, this isn't the place. Now I want you to continue to go to where I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. He just had to trust and depend on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in the same way here, Stephan is doing that. He's just trusting and depending on the Lord through the Holy Spirit, right? And worshiping the Lord. Stephen, himself being a temple of the Lord mm-hmm. and an altar, right? Unto God. Does Amen. that make sense? Amen. Um, yes. But then let's let's also not not forget, right? As Stephen continues and he talks about, and he gives us this very sequential history lesson, right? So get out of the country and, and he'll go there. And then he says um, that he, he had made these promises to, the Lord had made these promises to Abraham. And then he says, but he already said that the people would fall away, that his descendants would go into captivity for 400 years, right? And, and you'll find that in Genesis chapter 15, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is where he, the Lord makes a, a covenant with Abraham, right? Um, but the Lord says this, the very first thing he says in chapter 15, verse 1, right? says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Mm -hmm. The first thing he says was the Lord was his reward. Isn't that very similar to what he told the Levites Mm -hmm. or the priests? Or if we fast forward Mm -hmm. all the way to Acts, Mm -hmm. right? The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes Mm -hmm. who are operating as the priesthood, Mm -hmm. not about the, the land, but about the Lord being their inheritance, right? Their portion, that's yes. right. Their portion, exactly. Um, now, and he continues, right? Uh, the Lord came to him saying, uh, 
Oh, we'll go to verse five. Brought him outside and said, now look to, toward heaven, toward the stars, if you're able to number them, uh, count, and if you're able to number them, he says, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and was accounted him for righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but then he does say, I got to find the verse. Oh, yes. The verse 13, the Lord says to Abram, know certainly your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Mm-hmm. So why is the Lord saying this? Through Stefan about the history. Because we, we have to understand what's actually meant by the covenant, right? There tends to be a yes. focus on the things that we like. We like land. Land means wealth, right? Mm-hmm. That yes. means we have our own place, a place we can call home, right? Yes. But what good is the land without the people? Because anytime you read, even in scripture, the land with no people means it is wild it is unkept desolate and and or desolate mm-hmm. right yes. but it creates more work for people that are there is actually if there's no people then it's overrun by jackals and everything else right mm-hmm. so understanding what the lord really meant by the covenant so you remember how in chapter 12 in verse 7 there was this very key moment between the lord and abraham or abram at the time right before the lord renamed him and the Lord said, to your descendants, I'll give the land. But then you see Abraham's response, right? He built an altar to the Lord mm-hmm. who had appeared to him, right? Yes. yes. So in chapter 17, there is this covenant that's made. Yes? Yes. Or expanded upon, if you will. So I'm going to read that real quick because it's important, right? So we can understand. It's verses, uh, chapter 17. It's really verses 7, 8, but I'll read 6 through 8. The Lord says to Abraham, or yes, to Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And then in verse eight, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So, why is this important? Because in the history, somehow, somewhere, it was misunderstood or got lost, it wasn't passed down, that the point and purpose is that God, the the God of glory, as, as Stephen described the Lord, would be their God, and that the descendants would be his God's people. Right? Mm-hmm. The yes. same thing that you see, I'll say, acted upon here in Genesis twelve seven, right? Yes. And and it's it's written throughout Scripture. The understanding was that if God is your God and, and if you are God, one of God's servants, his people, then you will say and you will do all the things that God commands you to do, regardless of the difficulty or the seeming difficulty, right? And it was not just for Abraham, it was for all the descendants. Does that make sense? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that because what Stefan is saying is, hey, this is actually the covenant that was made, right? Going yes. into the history. Yes. Did he say those words specifically? They're not recorded here, but these are historians. So they would understand what this said and not just try to pick and choose or, or select the parts of the covenant that they like, right? When you become a citizen of a nation, all of the history and the laws apply to you. Yes. You don't just get to select the, the few that you like or enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. right, which goes back to what we were saying. All are not Israel that are of Israel. Everybody enjoyed saying, hey, I'm part of the chosen people. But then, how? why is it that you are not living as the chosen people? And I don't just mean Israel on the whole, right? Because there are we, Gentiles, that have chosen to trust the Lord, and He is our God, and we are His people. We have been grafted in, those that would choose to believe, right? But in the same way, everyone that that chooses to believe on the name of the Lord comes into this same covenant and the same promise. Well, God has to be our God and we have to be his people, which means we should say what he says to say and do what he says to do, right? Jesus is our pattern example. Mm-hmm. So understanding the history helps us understand what's required of us. And also in this, uh, this history lesson in Acts, Stephen is telling them, look, the Lord already knew you were going to, to not serve him. Right, which is why he says, said then, your descendants are going to fall away and go into this land of slavery for 400 years. In other words, they're not going to follow me the way you, Abraham, followed me. Right? Yes. And, and, and if we look at this, we will see this pattern throughout the entirety of the history. Right? And, and yes. we'll, get to, we'll get to that, but... We need to understand that for us as it applies today, right? And that's that's part of the the lesson of history and especially God's word and the history of people, of his chosen people, is not just so we can understand the past, but we can understand what's required of us today. And what's required of us today is the same as what was required at the beginning, that God would be our God and we would be his people. And that is what the the real message that Stephen or the Lord the, through the Holy Spirit through Stephen is communicating to the people, to all that are there, and to us today. Yes. So we need to understand that, and we need to actually apply it to our lives. Amen. 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 All right. Well, there's a lot. So we're going to pause there for today. And um, with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right. Promise? Lord, I just thank you for today. Just thank you for giving us this opportunity to know the truth, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for providing for us and just showing your word to us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. We hope you've enjoyed listening to a Day of Prayers morning Bible study.
This year, Pastor John and I are believing for 1,000 new partners to believe God with us and join in the work of the ministry. God is doing great things through a day of prayer, and we want you to be a part. If the Lord has placed on your heart to partner with us, please contact us online at adayofprayer.org. Click on the menu and select Partner. Complete the form, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you again. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.